All right. Well, welcome everybody. Welcome everybody on social media. Uh, we're so glad you joined us today. Um, don't forget this Tuesday there's going to be a, an election. And so many people have voted early. And, uh, but if you haven't voted, I want to encourage you to vote on Tuesday. And uh, uh, the best thing to do is, is find out the platform of each party. You know, what they believe, what each party believes. And then line that platform up against the Word of God. And then vote in line with the Word of God. That's, that's the very best thing. Very best thing you can do. And I just want to say this, that, that uh, you know, no matter how it turns out, no matter which candidate wins. Uh, you know, uh, last time I looked, uh, they don't hold elections every four years for who is king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, so, so no matter how this thing turns out, guess what? Next week, Jesus is still going to be king of kings and lord of lords. Is that right? Is that right? And, and, and they, you know, they can't vote Jesus out. Is that right? And last time I looked, he outranks uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden put together. Is that right? And so, so we're going we're gonna to be okay either way it turns out. Because, because we, we follow Jesus, not a political leader. Is that right? Is that right? I said, is that right? Now, we support, you know, the president. We're supposed to do that. But, but uh, uh, Jesus outranks the president, okay? So let's be sure we keep our eyes on Jesus. Now, go out and vote and vote in line with the word of God. I encourage you to do that. But uh, just be sure that you don't get your eyes. Because I've watched this over the last, uh, I watched it uh, a little over four years ago. And I've watched it for the last four years. And I see it even to the present hour. Christians getting their eyes off Jesus over on a, on a president. Don't make that mistake. Pray for the president and all of that, but uh, the president that we have now is not God. Can anybody say amen? amen? But Jesus is God, all right? So while we're supportive of the president, certainly we are, uh, but we always keep our eyes on Jesus, okay? And if you'll do that, you'll not be disappointed because let me tell you this, men will disappoint you. Women will disappoint you. Political candidates will disappoint you. Pastors will disappoint you. Spiritual leaders will disappoint you. But there's only one person that will not disappoint you, and his name is Jesus Christ, okay? So let's just keep our eyes on him, and we'll be okay, no matter how it, no matter how it turns out. All right, you okay? All right, well, uh, here's the thing. Now, we've been, uh, for many, many weeks, we uh, um, covered the... Uh, uh, Healing Crusades of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, we did that for many, many months, actually. And, uh, and how we're going to really finish that series off is in the book of Acts, seeing that Jesus' healing ministry did not conclude when he uh, died on the cross and was raised from the dead. His, his healing ministry continues through his church. And you see that in the book of Acts. You see it for the last 2,000 years of church history. We've seen it here at Summit Church, you know. And, uh, and, and so many people healed by the power of God. So last week we picked up looking at uh, healing in the book of Acts and Jesus' healing ministry continuing there. And we said many things, various and sundry things. So if you missed last week's message, you can go back to, to the archives and, and get that. But we finished up last week looking at... Uh, 
the lame man at the gate beautiful being healed. And now let's go over to Acts, the fifth chapter. And uh, we're going to pick up in the 12th verse. But before we uh, pick up in the 12th verse, well, actually, in, in the 12th verse, we can read that. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Now, I'll come back to that verse in a moment. But uh, uh, actually, right before this uh, verse, uh, 12, we have Acts 5, verses 1 through 11. And in those verses, we see something very interesting. We see Ananias and Sapphira, uh, a husband and a wife, falling dead in a church service. Now, uh, I can honestly say I've never seen anybody fall dead in a church service. Now, I've seen people fall asleep in a church service. Uh, but I've never seen anybody fall dead in a church service, okay? Uh, the closest we ever came was many years ago. I was up here teaching off to my left. I heard somebody, it sounded like a snoring sound. And I thought, oh my gosh, somebody's going to sleep in, in, on my sermon, you know? And... Uh, uh, and I looked over and there was this lady, she was kind of like laid back on the chair and her husband kind of had his hand up in the air. He was a mild-mannered, soft-spoken man and he said, I think we're going to need some assistance, you know. And so uh, she's continuing, her eyes rolled back in, the, in her head and now she turned out fine in the end, okay. So, so I can tell this story and it's all right, but she's, and she's not asleep, she's passed out. Her eyes rolled back in her head, you know. And so... Uh, and so some of the uh, ushers came over, you know, and got a hold of her. And as the ushers are coming over, I say to the congregation, I say, now everybody pray. And then I, I, I said to the fellow working in the sound booth, I said, uh, I said, uh, call 911. And just that quick, he came back and said, what's the number? <laughs> so so the lady's in trouble right there. All right. So. But be, be that as it may, uh, uh, so, so the ushers pick her up off the chair and about that time there was a nurse that was attending the church and that was a couple of rows back and the nurse cries out to the ushers and, because they'd picked her up, you know, and the nurse says, unhand that woman and the ushers just let her go and so she flops down on the chair, looked like a f fish, you know, flopping up on the, on the bank uh, side of the water. And so I said, you know, I said, uh, I said, let's just all keep praying. Uh, and, and I said, ushers, now go ahead and get that lady. Go ahead and take her. And so they took her to the back and the paramedics came. The sound man figured out the number to 911 by that time. And they took her to the hospital and uh, and, and she was fine. Uh, she, she was all right. Diane and I went and saw her after the service and, and she was fine. But anyway, after all that happened, right after they had taken her out and she's back in the office, you know, Anybody remember Paul Fonts? Anybody remember him? What what a great man he was! And and so this, you know this is quite a tumult that has gone on here. You know at that point. And uh, now I got to finish my message. So after that concludes, he's he's like back over here. He's raising his hand, and I just I said I said and a wonderful man. But I I wanted to move on with the service, you know. And I said not now, Paul. And he kept kept had his hand up and said not now, Paul. 
<laughs> he got his hand up. I said, not now. So he keeps his hand up like that. And I said, uh, and, and I said, Paul, not now. Okay. I said, just get me after the service and tell me what you want to tell me then. Okay. Cause I wanted to conclude. Cause you know, somebody, that, that scene will kind of throw a bucket of cold water on the service, you know. And I wanted to finish it up. So, uh, so I said, come get me after the service. Tell me what you want to tell me then. And so anyway, after the service, I dismissed the service, you know, finished teaching the message and dismissed the service. And Paul, he came right up to me and got just as only he could. I love the guy. He, he's in heaven with the Lord now, but he comes right up to me and he says, what I wanted to tell you and everybody else was this. If you're going to die, there's no better place to do it than in church. <laughs> you know, and he had a point there, didn't he? You know, if you're going to die, there's no better place to do it than in church. And see, so that leads us right back to Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, but uh, <laughs> they... Uh, now they fell dead in church, but it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good scene. It was a, it was not a good scene. They, they fell dead under the judgment of the Lord. And what had happened, we could read those 11 verses in Acts 5, but I'll just sum it up for you. I'd recommend you read them later. But back there, then in that early church, you know, uh, they would, they, they had all things common. Now that doesn't insinuate that all churches should do that, but that church was doing it. So everybody in the, in the congregation sold what they had and, uh, brought it and laid it, you know, they'd sell land or whatever possessions they might have and they take the money and came to the, to the, to the church, you know, where they were meeting and laid the money at the apostles' feet. Now what you have to remember is this, that church at that time had about 8,000 people in it. It's about 8,000. Because remember on the day of Pentecost, what was there? 3,000 got saved. And so there's 3,000. And then sometime after that, 5,000 got saved. So 5,000 plus 3,000, there's 8,000. So there's a multitude in that church, right? There's about 8,000. So you got to have to remember that there's, a, there's about 8,000 people, give or take, in that church. So it, we'd call that a mega church today. It was there in Jerusalem, you know, it's a, it a big church. And so they would sell the church members would sell. And by the way, you couldn't become a part of that church just by filling out a card or just uh, saying that you've had some sort of a, you know, how do I want to say it? Just, 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 you know, here's what I'm trying to say. To become a member of that church, you truly had to be born again and frankly, filled with the Holy Ghost. Because remember the day of Pentecost had happened sometime before where they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They were born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, you know. You know there's a separate experience between being born again and being baptized with the Holy Spirit. But without getting into that, you couldn't just walk in the doors of that church and just, just become a member. You had to really have had an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures bear that out. You had to be born again. And frankly, as I see it, baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now, you understand being baptized with the Holy Ghost is not a requirement for going to heaven. You need to be born of the Spirit. That gets you into heaven. But you also ought to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance in line with the Word of God. So to be a part of that church, you had to be born again. And frankly, I feel filled with the Spirit. So what can we conclude about Ananias and Sapphira? I, I think they were born again people. And baptized with the Holy Spirit. And frankly, let's think about this. They had sold a piece of land and uh, brought 
even though they lied about it, they still brought a significant portion, no doubt, of the money to the apostles and laid it at their feet. Now, how many unsaved people do you know that would sell a piece of land for probably a good piece of money and bring any of it to the church? Huh? Can you think of anybody that's not saved that would, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I guess maybe there's some folks out there who think they're saved and they're not saved. And, and you know, and because, you know, there's people all throughout the land of the United States that go to churches every week and uh, and 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 they think they're saved, but they're not. And so, I mean, I, I, they might they might give money to the church and whatnot. But but I mean, how many of you really know unsaved people that's going to really give anything to the church? I can't really think of any. You know what I mean? Particularly significant sums of money like this. And this, they sold a piece of land. I don't know how much money they brought, but Ananias and Sapphira. But, but I mean, just the fact that they brought any money or a part of what they'd sold would indicate to me that they were, I, I think they were born again and more than likely spirit filled. But they sold this piece of land and, uh, and they were hypocrites. Have you ever met Christians who are hypocritical? And, and, and what they did was, is they, they, they made a show. You got to be watchful with offerings now. They made a show of the offering. And they were trying to project something to the congregation that they were not. I'll come right back to that. I need to say this so you don't forget. In 8,000 people going to that church, isn't it interesting that Peter knew them by name? Now, see, this is something that gets overlooked a lot, but Peter knew him by name. Now, now in a smaller setting like what we have here, it's no, it's no chore for me to know everybody by name. But if there were 8,000 people, I would have a hard time remembering everybody's name. So I would only, I would only know people that really worked closely with me, right? You understand that? So Peter knew Ananias and Sapphira by name. So it just indicates more and more evidence there that they were, they were, they were part of this church. Probably leaders in the church to some degree. Because he knew them by name. Now, I mean, I can't prove they were leaders in the church, but he knew them. And they sold this piece of land and, uh, and, and they didn't have to bring any of it and lay it at the apostles' feet. Do you know God never makes you give him anything? He never makes you. He doesn't want you to give him things because you have to. He wants you to give him things because you want to, you see. And bring offerings is what I'm talking about. But they didn't have to bring any of it. Remember that? They didn't have to bring any of it. They were under no obligation whatsoever. But they projected to the congregation, we've sold this possession, we've sold this piece of property, and uh, we're giving all of it to the church. We're bringing all of it, just like everybody else is doing. We're giving all of it to the church. And they brought, and they came in, they laid it, you know, at the, uh, uh, or Ananias, I guess, came in first, laid it at Peter's feet or gave it to him, whatever the case, gave it to the church. See, there were, you got to be watchful with offerings that you're not hypocritical with them. Or you try to make a show with an offering, you see. You don't want to do that. You certainly don't want to lie about an offering. You don't want to lie about anything. But you see, this particular church, the power of God, by the way, the power of God was turned up, turned up full in this church. They had people in there that were, they were, they were, uh, uh, filled with the Holy Ghost. The power of God was t turned up real high. You know what, I, what, in full, full, real full manifestation. 
And this was a pivotal church, by the way. It needed to go. It needed to, to succeed. The gospel depended on it being spread throughout the world. And you can't have hypocrisy running through this church. You just can't have that. So there's, there's reasons why God did what he did. But anyway, with, with having them fall down dead. But here's, here's the thing. They conspired secretly that we're gonna, we're gonna sell the land and we're gonna, we're gonna keep back part of it. And we're going to go down to the church and make a big show and make everybody think that we're giving it all. So that kind of sets up the story. And then what happens is, is Ananias comes in there and Peter questions him. Now, you know what? And by the way, let me say this. Uh, when we see them fall dead in the church, if you study God's method of operation... You'll see this, that God doesn't start out judging somebody by having them fall dead. I'm convinced God had dealt with these people about this hypocrisy long before this ever came about. That's just God's method of operation and judgment. And so, uh, be that as it may, uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira overrode that leading of the Spirit. Have you ever got a check in your spirit that you shouldn't be doing something? And I'm convinced they overrode that and overrode that. And it's going to cost them their lives here as he comes in and Peter questions him. And you know, Ananias, he could have repented, right? I mean, when Peter started questioning him, how many of you know he could have repented? But he didn't. And he fell down dead. Is that right? And then about three hours later, the Bible says his wife comes in. So they take him out and bury him. And could you, couldn't you imagine being uh, the ushers back there then, you know? In that church, because ushers had to go out and bury this guy. And then three hours later, in comes his wife. And she didn't know what had happened. They didn't have cell phones back there then. And, and, and news didn't travel quite as fast as it does now. And she comes in and they had a, apparently, a three, you could argue, a three-hour church service. So they had some long services back there. But she comes in and Peter questions her along the same lines. And she falls dead. And they take her out and bury her. Now, can you see that, that, that before you joined that church, you'd want to think twice, wouldn't you? You might want to think two or three or four times. Is that right? And can you see why people wouldn't join this church haphazardly or flippantly or just by filling out a membership card? The Bible says, and it's clear as we read on, well, we may see it here in some scriptures, but as you read the, new, the book of Acts around this, you can see that, that it was a fearful thing to join the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear what I just said? It wasn't like, well, we're just going to go to Sunday service, you know, and we're just going to go talk to some of our friends and then we're going to go out to eat and then do it all again next Sunday. As good as all that is, it was serious business to become a part of this church. The power of God was in manifestation. The gifts of the Holy Ghost were in manifestation. Words of knowledge in manifestation, no doubt. And, and much I could say about that. But, but, but if, if there was sin in people's lives, I'm convinced, because you can see it in some of the, some of the, 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 the church services over the years, uh, in, in, in the last 2,000 years where the, the, the Spirit of God was really moving and in manifestation, that people would be afraid to come to church with sin in their lives. Because the Holy Ghost would move on the pastor 
and, 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 and expose the sin. Now that, that, that'd put a whole different light on things, wouldn't it? So can you see it was a serious thing to, 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 to be a part of this church? Fearful thing to go to church. I mean, just think about it. Just, and I think about this myself. If when we come to church and, 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 you know, let's just say I wasn't the pastor, but somebody else here was the pastor and, and, and he was full of the Holy Ghost and full of the power of God and, and the Spirit of God was moving and, and, and the gifts of the Spirit were in operation and, and, and if people's, things in people's lives weren't, weren't right, you, and you can, I can give you a scripture where it's very scriptural that, that, that sin be exposed, you know, in, 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 in even in a church service. I'd be nervous coming to church, wanting to be sure everything in my life is right. How about you? Amen. See, we don't have any of that in this hour in which we live. And if you did, you'd get sued probably every which way. And people get mad. I mean, people, people get mad and leave the church because the temperature is not right in the room, much less if the Holy Ghost tells off on their sins. You, can you see how far away we've moved? I don't mean Summit Church. I mean just... Just the, here in the United States especially, I don't know really so much about around the world, but here in the United States, we move so far away from a really a New Testament church. Sad, isn't it? I said it's sad. Is it, is, you, know, you know, the United States Christians don't respect the Lord Jesus Christ the way Christians do elsewhere in the world. Did you know that? We really have very little persecution that we have to deal with here in the United States as you've seen, you saw in that uh, video, today is what the day we remember the persecuted church. Is that right? And you see what that man that wrote, uh, that got the song, we've decided to follow Jesus. You see it cost him his children, his, his wife and himself. Is that right? We go through very little of that here in the United States. We've been so spoiled here in the United States that we've to some degree lost a lot of the power of God. Very sad, isn't it? You know, having an easy life isn't always the best way to go, is it? Because it can cost you other things. Is that right? Oh, you know it's right. But nonetheless, Ananias falls dead. Sapphira falls dead. You can see the power of God continuing on after Jesus died and rose from the dead. In that, in that early church. Uh... They fell dead right there in church. And it was the judgment of God. They fell dead at the judgment of God. Don't let anybody tell you that, well, God just took his hand off of him and he let the devil come in and kill him. How many of you know God doesn't work in cahoots with the devil? God judged him. They fell dead. And I already told you one of the reasons why this was a pivotal church and you couldn't have hypocrisy. You know, sin can spe spread through like a little leaven leavens a whole lump, you know. Put a little yeast in the bread, it'll spread through the whole thing. If this wasn't dealt with right here, this hypocrisy would have, would have, would have gone, th thank you, Lord. It would have gone through and diluted and, 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 and it would have diluted that church and it would have lost its power. And when I said, thank you, Lord, there, what I meant by that, the Lord just brought something to my, to my thinking that I never thought about before. But you see, this was all over an offering, wasn't it? Can you see that in the United States, when you have ministers up there 
dealing with offer. I'm talking on television, radio, wherever, you know, and they're up there and they're not handling money properly in front of the people. They're saying, you know, well, you give this, this amount, you're going to get this, and you give this amount, you're going to get that, and you give this, and if you send in your money by such and such time, you know, and all of that nonsense. I believe in being a tither. I believe in being a giver. I believe in supporting the local church. I believe in supporting good televangelists. I believe in all that, but it needs to be done right and in line with the Word of God. Can you say amen? amen? But can you see how the church in the United States has been diluted by that foolishness and that nonsense? Can you see that many sinners tune into that and they watch preachers? I mean, you go, I tell you what, you go to the, uh, I have Dish, Dish, you know, Dish Network, and there's a certain section of channels where they put all the religious programming, you know, and you flip over there and just at random, I, my wife and I, it, it, we'll, we'll sometimes I'll flip over there and we'll just see how long does it take before they start begging for money and telling you, you know, if you send this offering by such and such a time and send that offering, you know, all that foolishness, that nonsense. Uh, you know, uh, and it's hard to turn that on and go just a couple minutes without them talking about money. Now you have to have money to operate and all of that, you see, but you, there's mishandling of it. And you see how it's diluted the power of God in the churches of the United States. And sinners tune into that and watch that. They don't want no part of that. Can you see how that's diluted? diluted the church in the United States? Well, you can understand now why Ananias and Sapphira fell dead in a church service. Because God didn't want that church in Jerusalem to be diluted like the churches here in the United States, many of them have been, because of offerings. Can you say amen? Now, I never saw that before. The Holy Ghost just gave that to me right there, but it's a, good, it's, it's a God's honest truth, isn't it? Absolutely the truth. Now, people ask me and they want to know, did Ananias and Sapphira go to heaven or did they go to hell? And it's something I pondered for many years. Well, we understand if they weren't saved, they went to hell. That's easy, right? But I already told you, I think they were saved. They were born again, I believe it, because of the reasons I already stated. So the question is, did they go to heaven or did they go to hell? Well, they were saved people. I, I think, I think this, and I, I can't tell you 100% for sure, but I tell you this. This is what I think. Being born again, they were judged by God, fell dead in church. They didn't commit the unpardonable sin. So it's very likely they went to heaven. Very likely. Just not on good circumstances. But I will tell you this, and you ought to jot this one down Holy Ghost said this to me years ago and it's 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 so good he said to me there's a dangerous place to die there's a dangerous place to die remember the prodigal son he was part of his daddy's house is that right wasn't he and he said, give me what's mine. I'm going out. I'm leaving. And, and daddy gave him what was his. He went out. He wound up in the hog pen. Is that right? And he came to his senses and he repented and came back and daddy received him back. Is that right? And that's a type of, of a backslider, actually. That's a type of a backslider. Somebody who was in daddy's house and, and left it and, uh, and then thought better of it, repented, came back and got back right with his dad. Is that right? And that daddy's a type of the heavenly father. And that, and that, that prodigal son was a type of a backslider.
And it's interesting, after that, if you read the parable when Jesus gave that, when, when, the, when the prodigal son came back and his older brother, I guess his older brother, was upset, you know, because daddy'd killed the fatted calf and put a ring on his finger and a robe on his back. And remember, the older brother was all upset about that. And, and the, the father said to the older brother, he said, you know, among other things, he said, you know, you, you, I put it in my own words, you ought to rejoice here. And then he said, uh, he said that your brother was lost and now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive again. So what would have happened to him if he'd have died in the pig pen? Would he have went to heaven or would he have went to hell? I tell you, as I study the Bible, there's a dangerous place to die. I said there's a dangerous place to die. You don't want to die as a backslider. I think about that man in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, who was who was uh, having sexual relations with his stepmother. And uh, the Apostle Paul writes and says, you know, deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, and his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. See, God's interested in saving people, not condemning people. But he was in sin. He, he was over in sin. And the Lord said to deliver him to Satan. And, uh, and then, of course, they put him out of the church. And the question is, what would have happened to him if he had died before he repented? There's a dangerous place to die. I can't tell you 100% certain he'd have went to heaven, and I certainly can't tell you 100% sure he'd have went to hell. But I can tell you this, there's a dangerous place to die, and the only way to be safe, the only way to be safe is to repent of your sins, receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and live as close to Him as you possibly can, walk as right as you possibly can, understanding that your works won't save you. It's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But 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 be, be repent of your sins and, and get saved, receive Jesus, and then live holy and walk right before Him, and then you don't ever have to worry about it. Can you say amen? amen? Absolutely. But there is a dangerous place to die. So did Ananias and Sapphira go to heaven? Did they go to hell? You know, it's dangerous. Would you say it's dangerous? Because Peter said they lied to the Holy Ghost. They fell dead. Would you say it's dangerous to lie to the Holy Ghost? How many of you would want to die lying to the Holy Ghost? Absolutely not. So you could make argument they died and went to hell. But yet, if they're saved people, how can that be? It's a theological problem, isn't it? So I think likely they went to heaven, they just didn't go on good circumstances. But there are those that argue they went to hell, and hey, there's a dangerous place to die. So I tell you what, let's learn a lesson from Ananias and Sapphira, and let's just uh, stay as close to the Lord as we can. And if we mess up, repent as fast as you can, confess those sins, and just go right on down the road, and then you don't have to worry about it. Can you say amen to that? Somebody asked me one time, they said, what if I have sin in my life that I don't even know is there? Would you like me to answer that for you? Over, well, if you don't want, we'll just go on. How many of you, you think you might have sins in your life you don't even know they're there? Things you're doing wrong that you don't even realize. Well, the answer is in 1 John. You don't have to turn there now, but read 1 John, the first chapter. It says, if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, with the Father. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So here's the thing. If there's something in your life that's there and you know it shouldn't be there, then you ought to repent of it, confess it, and get it right. Is that right? But if there's something there that you don't even know about, as long as you're endeavoring to walk with the Lord and walk in the light, then the blood of Jesus is in operation and it'll take care of that for you. Can you say amen? amen. 
That's a good deal, isn't it? Now, with that in mind, let's pick up with Acts 5. I took a little side journey there that took me some time. But I, did you get anything out of that little expose there that I did on, or soliloquy I did on Ananias and Sapphira? Maybe it helps somebody. Uh, Acts 5, 12, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done. Well, somebody fallen dead in the church service. That'd do it, wouldn't it? Many signs and wonders were done, and they were all with one accord. Notice the one accord. Now, the one accord is so important. If you want the power of God flowing in any local church, you're going to have to have that church in one accord. There's going to have to be agreement. I've noticed this over the years. The power of God, uh, let me put it this way. When you got a bunch of strife in the church, the Bible says where there's, there's strife and all of that, there's every kind of evil work. I tell you what, you get strife in the church, the, the Spirit of God just doesn't tend to like to move around that kind of thing. But you get people in one accord in unity, the Spirit of God will start moving. You'll see the gifts of the Spirit and all, uh, uh, just a great manifestation of the power of God. Verse 13, now watch this, now ooh, watch this. Look at verse 13, Acts 5, 13. Yet none of the rest dared join them. Talking about that church in Jerusalem, none of the rest dared join them. Well, can you see why? Huh? I mean, two people just fell dead. Can you see why it's a, you got to handle these things delicately? You're going to be a part of that church. You're going to have to, you're going to have to be walking right. You're going to have to be living right. Is that right? Absolutely. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them very highly. See, that's what the local church ought to be like. It ought to be a place of great power of the Holy Ghost. I mean, there's, there should be so much power in the local church that people are afraid to come and gossip. They're afraid to come and backbite. They're afraid to come and talk bad about one another. They're afraid to come and talk bad about the pastor behind his back. They're afraid to, because they're liable to fall dead in the church. I mean, can anybody say amen to that? So much holiness, you see. And I believe in the absolute wonderful grace of Almighty God. But you know what the, the grace of God teaches us to do? The grace of God teaches us, listen, the grace of God is not there so we can live a, a, a slipshod lives and, and sloppy lives. The grace, the Bible says the grace of God teaches us to live holy, you see. So one way I can know or we can know if we're, if we're in the grace of God, are we living holy? Are we walking right? You know the message of holiness has pretty well been lost in the United States. Absolutely. I tell you what, we need, I, we need spiritual leadership that will rise up and start teaching holiness again. Now you can't get saved by living holy. You get saved by grace through faith in Jesus. But you really have that grace of God upon you. It will promote holiness. You understand? There will be holiness. Now the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Verse 14, but believe, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes, both men and women. So it's glad to see here, I'm glad to see here, that even though uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira fell dead, they still had bunches of people joining, getting born again. Notice believers. You couldn't just join the church by signing a card. You had to be a believer. And they were added to the church. Now look at verse 14 in the Amplified Classic. Look at uh, Acts 5.14 in the Amplified Classic. It's going to amplify verse 14. Let's, let's, let's look at this. More and more, look at this, this is so good. More and more there were being added to the Lord those who believed. Now notice how the, ampl uh, the Amplified Bible uh, amplifies this word believe. Watch this. Notice it says more and more were being added to the Lord 
uh, those who believed, now look, look at this, those who acknowledged Jesus as their Savior, now that's where the American church is right now. It has been for years. Acknowledge Jesus as your Savior and everything's just fine. Acknowledge Him as your Savior and everything's wonderful. Acknowledge Him as your Savior and you don't have to repent. You never have to repent. You never have to judge yourself. Just acknowledge Jesus as Savior and everything's hunky-dory. Let me tell you, that's not in line with the Bible. You can take certain scriptures and prove that, but you can't take the whole of the New Testament and prove that. Because, see, when you acknowledge Jesus as your Savior, there's a change that takes place in your heart. And you become a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God. And now you're not living like you used to live anymore. You start living holy. See, it's the blood of Jesus that makes us holy, but if we're made holy, then that holiness is going to come out. Is that right? Doesn't mean we don't ever miss it. Doesn't mean we never blunder and sin. You know, there's a difference between sinning on purpose and blundering. Do you know that? And I could do a whole lesson on that. See, you blunder, that's one thing, but you sin it on purpose, that's a whole other thing. But you see, look at what the Bible says. Look at that. Look how powerful it is. Those who acknowledge, uh, acknowledge Jesus as their Savior, but there's an and there. And let's read on. And, and, what's, how does that go on to read? Let's see if we can get it up there on the screen. And devoted themselves, I don't know if we'll get it on that screen up there, but I'll read it to you, and devoted themselves to Him. See, there's more to being a Christian than just acknowledging Jesus as your Savior. There also has to be a, devo a devotion of yourself to Him. And here in the United States, I've watched it, I've studied it, I'm a student of it. I've watched it over the years. It's just, you'll hear it, just, just acknowledge Jesus as your Savior. But I tell you what, along with that comes a devotion to him. Can anybody say amen? Yeah. And you see, we've heard the others so long that I can tell right now that I can tell it in the spirit. Is the pastor really right on that? Is the pastor really right on that? You know, you know why people are thinking that? Because you've not heard the rest of the Bible. I've tried to preach the other side of it. Yes, we need to acknowledge Jesus as our Savior, all right. But I tell you what, there's also, if you really biblically acknowledge Jesus as your Savior, there's going to be a devotion of yourself to Him. Now, can you say amen to that? There's a lot of... Holy Ghost, get a hold of my tongue. I have to say it. There's a lot of people in hell right now that acknowledge Jesus as their Savior. I'm not taking that back. This ought to sober people up. I said there's a lot of people in hell right now that acknowledge with their lips that Jesus was their Savior. But they never lived right for Him. They never walked right with Him. Did you hear what I just said? Look at the churches in the United States. So much looseness, so much lackadaisicalness. You can't tell whether you walked into a church or into a nightclub. You look at many of the worship people up on the stage, you can't tell a lot of them. You can't tell, you can't tell if they're Christians or if they're, some of them, some of the girls, you can't tell if they're, well, I don't want to say this, Lord. You can't tell if they're Christians or if they're prostitutes. Come on now. I've had people walk away from me for saying that, but I hear the Holy Ghost again wanting me to say that. There ought to be holiness. We ought to be different. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Is that right? Yeah. 
There's a lot of people in hell right now that have now, they acknowledge Jesus as their Savior, but they don't live for Him. Well, is Jesus your Savior? Yeah, oh yeah. But, 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 but there's cussing come out, coming out of their mouth all the time. They're, they're sleeping around with everybody and their brother. There's, do you know there's people that acknowledge Jesus as their Savior and they're, they're professed homosexuals? Did you know that? I've talked to many of them. That's what the Holy Ghost is talking about here. Just professing Him. Jesus said that many profess, they draw nigh to me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. Do you remember Him saying that? And here in the United States, we've got a lot of professing of Jesus, but we, we, we don't have a lot of living for Jesus. And it's very sad. See, I don't believe you can be a practicing homosexual and go to heaven. But yet there's practicing homosexuals in this land and they'll, they'll acknowledge Jesus. And, Cause I've heard them, I've talked to them and they, they acknowledge Jesus as their savior, but they're practicing homosexuality. And the Bible's clear. Those people don't go to heaven. They go to hell. Is that right? So there you have a professing, somebody professing Jesus that's in hell. See, we not only have to profess him, but we have to live in line with the word of God. Is that right? Absolutely the truth. See, it puts some responsibility on us. Now, don't misunderstand me. We can't work our way to heaven. It's a free gift. But there ought to be evidence of that gift by living right. Is that right? In this nation, we need preachers to rise up and start preaching holiness again. We've had a lot of acknowledging Jesus, and that's wonderful, but we need the other side of that coin. Now, notice if you would, they acknowledge, see these people that join this church, they acknowledge Jesus as their Savior, that's a must, but they also devoted themselves to him. Joined and gathered with them, crowds both men and women. And notice verse 15. See, people want to just say, yes, Jesus, come into my heart. They want to just keep living like they've always lived. It doesn't work that way. I've had many people over years gone by. They've come to the altar to get saved. And, and I made an altar call, you know. And they come and they profess. But you, you watch them over time. They, there's no change in their lives. Would you agree with me? You get born again, there ought to be a change. I mean, the only exception I can think of is if somebody did a deathbed repentance and they, they, they received Jesus on their deathbed, I, I, I suppose that'd be an exception. But if you have any kind of time to live for him and you don't live for him, all you do is profess him, I wonder whether you, or not you really got saved. Anyway, verse 15, so that, let me go on a few more minutes here. So that they, notice verse 15, so they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Now his shadow didn't have any healing virtue. He got within, I've noticed this about the power of God. It'll go out, it'll go out from somebody that's full of the Holy Ghost. When the power of God is in manifestation, when the Spirit of God is in manifestation, the power of God will go out from you a certain distance, you know. I've noticed that. There was no healing virtue in Peter's shadow. It's these people got within shadow's length of him. And he was so full of the Holy Ghost, so full of faith and power, that the power of God went out from him and healed people. Can you say amen to that? Glory to God. 
Just passing by. I tell you what, I'd like to be so full of the Holy Ghost, so full of the power of God. You walk somebody by somebody at Walmart and they're crippled and the power of God jumps off on them and heals them. I mean, I've got my goal. I have a goal for seeing that in my lifetime. And you ought to have the same goal for you. Because these signs shall follow those who believe. All you have to do is be a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're a candidate for having the power of God flow through you, you see. And notice here. In verse 16, also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people. See, there it is again, bringing sick people. They brought, they brought people. They brought people to the apostles, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Glory to God. And then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in common prison. My, 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 my. Can you see persecution going on right here? And today is the day we remember the persecuted church. You see persecution, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. We'll close with Stephen. Let's go over to Acts, the sixth chapter. We'll close with Stephen. He was one of the first deacons, you know. And the apostles were going to give themselves continually, continually to prayer and ministry of the word. And the church had grown so fast and they needed deacons, servers, people to serve the tables, you know. And they chose out seven men. Now notice Acts 6 verse 5. Watch this. Acts 6 verse 5. Notice they chose Stephen. Now, now notice here. See, a lot of times you think that only the pastor has to be full of the Holy Ghost and power. But you see in the New Testament church that the deacons, the servers, the, the helps ministry, they had to be full of the Holy Ghost and power. The door greeters, the ushers, the parking lot folks. I mean, the, the worship team, certainly. The, the sound people, everybody, the, the children's ministry, everybody need to be full of the faith and full of the Holy Ghost and full of power. Notice here in, in Acts 6 verse 5, as you read in that verse, they chose Stephen, a man man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And then it notes Philip. And we'll talk about him in a later session. And then it, it gives, I believe, five other people. But notice Stephen was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And then if you drop down to verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith and power. Now notice that word power in the Greek. It's, it's dunamis. We get the Greek word dynamite. Remember how Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with what? With power. You see with the Holy Ghost comes power. And so you see Stephen in verse 5, he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And in verse 8, we see he's full of faith and power. You can't separate the Holy Ghost from power, you see. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got power. And so Stephen was full of faith and power. And notice he did great wonders and signs among the people. See, we think about the pastor doing great signs and wonders or the prophet doing great signs and wonders or the evangelist doing great signs and wonders. But here you have a deacon, somebody that's waiting tables. He's doing signs and wonders among the people. My goodness, can you say amen to that? And, and we won't go through the whole thing, but Stephen, he gave great testimony about the Lord Jesus Christ. See, when somebody's full of the Holy Ghost, they'll give great testimony about the Lord Jesus Christ. He, 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 had, he had a speaking ability. You can see that. He, and he was knowledgeable of the Old Testament. And, uh, and, and but he had he had gave testimony about Jesus and, and and because of it he was accused of blasphemy and he was brought before the religious leaders and when that happened he was so full of the 
he was full of the Holy Ghost, full of power. He was also full of knowledge. He had studied. You can see that he'd studied. And in Acts the seventh chapter, you ought to read it sometime. Acts chapter seven, he gave one of the greatest sermons in all of the Bible. And he goes basically, he gives him a, a he gives him a lesson in Old Testament history, you know, and he's pointing everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice in Acts seven verse fifty four. Let's just read these verses as we close. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. This people he was talking to. And they gnashed at him with their teeth. Now, I've never had anybody gnash with me at their teeth. And so I hope, and you see, y'all have masks on now, so I don't know if you're gnashing at me with your teeth or not. I hope you're not. Maybe a while ago when I was saying some of those bold things, maybe you were, how do you gnash your teeth? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> But think of it, he preached under the anointing and the power of God. You know what's interesting? Let me just say this. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached under the power of the Holy Ghost. And those people said, you know, what, what do we have to do to be saved? And they repented. Stephen preaches under that same Holy Ghost, under that, with that same Holy Ghost, under that same power. And the people are gnashing their teeth. Did you know... That the same sun that melts wax also hardens clay. It's not the message, it's the heart, the receiving end. Keep your heart soft, dear friends. We have the ability to control the condition of our hearts. Keep your hearts receptive. Keep your hearts hanging on every word that is coming out of the word of God. Keep, 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 your, keep your hearts open to the Word of God, you see. It's so easy to close your heart off. It's so easy to become bitter. It's so easy to become hard-hearted. It's so easy to lose that exuberance that you once had for the Lord Jesus Christ. When somebody loses that exuberance, it's a heart issue. But you can go, I tell you what, just, you know, have you ever had your hands where you worked outside and they got all full of calluses and whatnot, you know, and they were all hard and callousy, you know? Sometimes my elbows will get that way for no, un, no, no reason, no, no why. But you know what? You don't have to leave them in that state. You start putting, uh, Diane bought some stuff, you start putting on your hands, putting on your elbows, and that once callous, that once hardened, it can come soft again. Can you say amen? Same thing with your heart. If it's grown cold and callous, well, just get into the Word of God and let the, let the anointment of the Word of God get in your heart. And I tell you what, that hard, calloused heart can become soft again. Can you say amen? But they heard Stephen preach under the power of the Holy Ghost and they gnashed their teeth at him. But notice verse 55, but he, we're talking about persecution, now watch this, but he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, and now this is the way you, if you had to choose between dying like Ananias and Sapphira, or dying like Stephen, take Stephen. Let me give you a helpful hint. This is the way you want to, now you may not want to die as a martyr, Stephen was a martyr. You may not want to die as a martyr, but when you die, I tell you what, this is, this is what you want to have going on. Now watch this. But he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed it, and there's some people that are called to be martyrs. Did you know that? Some people are called to be martyrs. I said they're called to be martyrs. You know that man that we uh, had that video about that, that, that we got, we've decided to follow Jesus? See, him and his wife and his children were called to be martyrs of God. They were supposed to die that way in the will of God. 
Now, a lot of people say, well, no, that couldn't have been the will of God, them being martyred. No, they died in the will of God, and there's a calling. The Bible is clear. There's a calling of the martyr, dying on the, uh, uh, because of the cause of Christ. They died as martyrs, you see, in the perfect will of God. You know how I know that? Because when somebody dies as a martyr in the perfect will of God, you will always see a, a revival come out of it. You'll always see people getting saved out of it. And what happened to that village? After that, that guy and his, his sons and his wife were put to death, there was a revival that swept out. Can you say amen? amen. And you're going to see it right here with Stephen. Watch this. And, and, and they're gnashing their teeth at him. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. My goodness, when I die, that's what I'd like to see. Praise God. You know, we know Jesus is seated at the right hand, but I tell you what, of God, but sometimes he stands up, glory to God, when some of his saints go home. Glory to God. I'm convinced of it. We see it right here. You know, the Bible says it's a, it's a precious thing in the eyes of the Lord, the death of his saints. And I tell you what, this was one of them, and Jesus didn't stay seated. He came up off the throne, glory to God. And he said, I see him standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens open, Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice. The crowd, they stopped their ears. They didn't want to hear the truth that he was speaking. It was so powerful. They ran at him with one accord. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. Can you think of that? My goodness. And the witnesses laid down their clothes. Now watch this. This is why I know he died as a martyr in the will of God. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Well, guess what? Saul watched that. He was holding the coats for those people that were stoning Stephen. But, but he saw, Saul saw that. And I'm convinced it moved him so. It moved him so. And it was the seeds that were being planted in, in his heart that later on when he was on the road to Damascus and Jesus knocked him to the ground. I tell you what, and he got born again right there. I am convinced of the death of Stephen the martyr. It planted seeds in his heart. And so Stephen died, you know, in the will of God because he was a martyr, because he planted seeds in the heart of this man named Saul who would go on to become Paul and write nearly two-thirds of the New Testament and cause the gospel to sweep the world. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Because Stephen was a man full of faith the Holy Ghost in power, and he knew the Word of God. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. When you die, this is what you want to say right here. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Think about that. Who did he get that off of? He got that off of Jesus, didn't he? When Jesus died on the cross. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What does that mean? He died. His body fell asleep. But his spirit, body was buried, but his spirit, body died. Bible calls it asleep, but his spirit immediately went to be with the Lord Jesus. Which is far better to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Glory to God. Did you get anything out of this today? Well, I tell you, I feel the power of God in this place. 
Well, stand with me, if you would. If you're watching by social media, I want to encourage you, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, do so now. The only way to miss hell and make heaven is, is to get born again. How do you get born again? How do you get saved? The Bible says that all who will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. So right now, cry out to Him and say, Jesus, come into my heart. I repent of my sins. I receive you as my Savior. That quick, you'll be saved. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. He'll make life living. Uh, he'll make life worth living in the meantime. And then you devote yourself to him and be a for real Christian and serve him the rest of your life. All right. Praise God. Thank you for joining us today.